0: Hello and welcome to episode 177 of the Confident Live Marketing Podcast.
1: But the most important thing is just to go to your email platform and say, show me all the people that have opened in the last 30 days. And those are the people that we send the most emails to. And then we find all the people that mailed between 30 and 90 days ago, and we occasionally mail those people.
0: Did you know that 30 to 50% of your email subscribers are silently killing your sales? But who are they? How do you find who they are? And how what do you do about them? Well, in today's episode, we're talking about why some of your email subscribers are killing your sales and what to do about it. My guest today is Adrian Savage. I can't wait to introduce him to you. Let's get on with it right now. Welcome to the Confident Live Marketing Podcast with Ian Anderson Gray.
1: Helping you level up your impact, authority, and profits through the power of confident live video.
0: Optimize your mindset and communication, and increase your confidence in front of the camera.
1: Get confident with the tech and gear,
0: and get confident with the content Content and marketing.
1: Marketing. Together, we We can go go live! live!
0: Well, hello, 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 Ian Unsegrey here for episode 177 of the Confident Live Marketing Show. Well, we've talked so much on the show about live streaming, the importance of that. We've talked about lots of other uh, types of marketing. We've talked about uh, audio branding, video branding. Uh, We've so so many different things. I've completely kind of forgotten uh, all the stuff we talked about. But I know there's one thing that we really haven't talked a lot about. Uh, and that is email marketing. And this is a bigger mission because email is huge. It might not be as sexy as uh, live streaming, but it is so important. And I would say, actually, it's probably one of my most important parts of my marketing. Yes, live streaming is great for visibility. It's great for exposure. It's great to... Uh, connections with with, uh, amazing people like today, my guest today. Uh, We can have these really in-depth conversations. But email marketing is a great way to reach the people who actually care about you. It's a great way to deliver sales as well. And if you are selling products, whether that's physical products or digital products, then email is something you absolutely need to be embracing. So I can see we've got Katie Simpson watching live, watching on YouTube you're here now. I know you were on Facebook before. Uh, if you are watching live, let us know that you're here. Let us know where you're watching from and love to know if you have any questions about email. And this is something that I've been thinking a lot about recently because I've had email and marketing. I started off on MailChimp about 10 years ago and I've, I've not been consistent. I'll say that. But what I, what I have been doing recently is to become a lot more consistent. But I've, been ma- I've made lots of mistakes, and we're going to talk about some of those mistakes in today's episode.
1: Looks like it's time for something completely nutty! Like
0: some of your email subscribers Are killing yourselves Are killing sales. Why like some of your email subscribers are killing yourselves, for killing yourselves Why like some of your email subscribers are killing yourselves, for killing yourselves We've got aging and service to show us, are killing yourselves, for killing yourselves my guest today, who is Adrian Savage, who is otherwise known as Adrian Email Savvy Savage. And he's a dad, a geek, an entrepreneur, and co-founder of Email Smart. He makes, he helps businesses get more email scenes so they'll make more sales. He's helped hundreds of people, including Frank Kern, Stu McLaren, and Neil Patel improve their email performance welcome to the show adrian thank you it's great to be here thank you for inviting me it's great to have you here adrian and you're just from uh, you're kind of just down the road from me really um i'm just south of manchester in the uk where, where are
1: you uh, based at the moment so yeah i am i'm just outside stoke-on-trent so we're probably less than 30 miles apart so we are you know in, in the world in the kind of worldwide internet speak we're pretty much neighbors we are i know isn't that isn't that funny we haven't actually yet
0: met in person but we're hoping to sort that out cuz there's a lot of markety people in in the northwest of england so we, we yeah. i think after the last few years we're not going to talk about the last few years uh, but after like loads of uh, vi- virtual conversations it's good to actually meet in person so very much looking, looking forward to that so i'd love to know um how much live streaming have you done podcasting is this something that you you've embraced as part of your marketing I know you've been on uh, you'd like to be on podcasts and live shows as well just tell us your thoughts about about that
1: So uh, it is interesting I won't dwell on the last 2 years but that was that big kind of necessity became the mother of invention so it's probably about 3 or 4 years that I've been really focusing on what I'm doing now and I was just getting into my stride of you know meeting people and doing you know speaking at small events, things like that. And then suddenly we were locked away for quite a while, and I got more and more opportunities to pre- present online, speak online, go to you know podcasts, webinars, live streams, things like that. And I've really embraced it and got into it because I love it. It's a really easy way of sharing my message with as many people as possible, and. It was a little bit scary to start with, but the only, the only way that I found I could get better at this was just to keep doing it, so there's, there's no substitute for time on stage, and the same is true for, for video and, and live streaming and things like that, so I just kept doing it and kept doing it, um, and you know, I'm, I'm trying to do as much of this as possible because it is just such an easy way of getting my message out there, engaging with people. You know, something that I've learned the hard way, I guess, is that I've been playing around with Facebook ads for probably a couple of years now. Um, and for my type of message with my type of audience, they perform really, really badly. Because if, you, if someone's seeing an advert, they get maybe a few seconds and then they've got to decide whether they want to find out more. The beauty of any kind of live streaming or webinar or podcast or anything like that is people get enough time to listen to the message that I'm sharing to decide whether or not it's important to them. And if it is important, they will actually then follow up. They will, you know, they they will do whatever I'm suggesting and they're more likely to, to get back in touch with me or use one of my tools or something like that. Whereas displaying a Facebook ad, it, it just doesn't have the same impact because. You've only got a few seconds. So I love the opportunity to just engage as much as possible. And also it means that I can connect with really cool people like you and other people with their own online shows and podcasts and things like that, Ian. Because that way then the people that are interviewing me, the people that are presenting me, they already know that what I've got to share is likely to be useful for their audience. So there's already some some level of qualification in there. If you're just putting random adverts out there and things like that, you don't know who's going to see it. So the thing that I love about this is that even before we start, I know that, you know, you've got a really cool audience of people that want to use video. They want to grow their business. So I can help them with, with on the email side of things as well. The same way that, you know, the things that you've learned recently and we're going to share today, then everyone needs to know it. So this is our chance to share it. Absolutely. And I, I love what you said. I mean, it, this
0: allows us, this platform of live video or podcasting allows us to go deep it's not to say that Facebook ads don't have their place and the same with, you know, with like short content like YouTube shorts or Instagram reels and, and TikToks and all that kind of thing. I mean, I, I'm not massively into TikTok or anything, but I think there's something amazing about these in-depth conversations that we can have that we can really get into, into things a little bit more deeply. And I think when it comes to email and email deliverability... We have to go a little bit deep. I mean, you can say a few little things, but it's not going to be as helpful. see we've got yeah. Richie Bowden here, uh, who is here and in Telford. Great to see you, Richie. Hope you're doing well. Um, <clears throat> so, Adrian, how did you get into this whole email deliverability thing? Were you like a, a five-year-old lad and uh, you, you discovered email and thought, oh, I want to be a deliverability expert?
1: Or what, what, what happened? it is almost that sad. Um, so it was actually when I was seven, my dad brought home an apple II computer back in, when was that? That was oh, about early 1980s. Um, and he was about to throw the thing out of the window when seven year old Adrian starts reading the manuals and teaching dad how to use his computer. So that kind of, you know, I was marked as a geek from, from that time on, that was, you know, just more than 40 years ago. Um, So then I did the usual thing, went to university, did computer science, got a job working in IT, um, moved into telecoms, but I escaped from telecoms, um, oh heavens, 11 years ago now, Um, and that was when I discovered the big bad world of online marketing and email and all that kind of thing, Um, and got involved with software called Infusionsoft, that's now Paul Keep, Um, and I became a consultant, um, helping people with their online marketing. One of the things that I learned fairly early on was that people, their emails weren't always getting through. Sometimes they were complaining to me, saying the emails that I'm sending, people are complaining that they're landing in the spam folder. Um, And at the start, I wasn't very good at solving those problems. And being completely honest, I lost a few clients along the way. So being the geek that I am, I decided to make it my business to understand why the emails are going to spam and to see what we could do about it. And the world of you know the whole email world has changed massively in the last 10 years. I know you said that you started about 10 years ago, and occasionally I will make a flippant comment that people are still marketing like it's 2012. Um, because the world has changed. But what I've done my best to do is to keep up with all the different changes and stay ahead of things so I can so the only thing that I focus on now is, you know, the, the, the technical term is email deliverability. I try to avoid that. i explain why later on. Um, it's just helping people get more of their emails seen and all of the different things that you have to think about, the things that you have to do, just to make it as likely as possible that the emails you send are going to land in the inbox of your audience rather than the spam folder.
0: That's, that's really, really cool stuff. Uh, I'll, thank you for that. Now, I, ha- I hate to ask this question, but I think some people will be at, kind of... At, asking this or thinking, well, what, what, why is email so important? You know, with the fact that we've got live streaming and TikToks and social media and all this kind of stuff, why do you think in the, you know, in 2021, 2022, whatever year we're in, I've I've already forgotten. What, why should we be embracing email and focusing a lot more on it? And and why is, you know, why is this all important?
1: So, Obviously, I'm going to be biased because I've pretty much worked on nothing but email for the last 10 years. But the thing that I've observed over that time with hundreds of different clients is it works. It's not the only game in town by by any means, because I'm a massive fan of using as many different channels as possible to reach out and engage with your audience. But the beauty of email is that we have a lot more control than, say, a lot of the social media platforms. If you think how um a certain well-known US president got kicked off Twitter at some point um it is a lot more difficult to get kicked off email you know you you are in control of who you're mailing and what you're sending and there is much less control than many of the social media platforms and also it scales massively people can can, can re- they, they can respond to you it's not a one-way method the way that say some broadcasting tools are um, and, and you can just scale massively. You can personalize things. There's just so much that you can do with email that it complements all the other different methods that you've talked about already and, and lots of other things. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know of many successful, well-known celebrities or marketers in the online space that don't use email in one way or another. Because at the end of the day, it's, it's much easier to send tailored follow-up messages using email than if you're going to do a video that needs to maybe appeal to a, a wider cross-section of your audience.
0: Yeah, well, I would totally agree. I mean, email is is here to stay. It might be an old technology. So what, it's a very kind of a simple question, but uh, probably a more complicated answer. What are we doing wrong?
1: Oh, so that, how long have we got? Was it about 20 hours? Or <laughs> You are, that's true. We've we've got about half an hour, haven't we? So I need to kind of stick to the important things because the, the thing to bear in mind is actually the biggest mistake most people make is just not sending emails. So the first thing I'm going to say is that as long as you are sending some kind of emails to your audience, you're already doing amazingly because a lot of people are scared to do that. So even though I'm going to talk about things that maybe could be done better, maybe things could be done differently. The most important thing is just focus on getting emails sent because people do get scared of it. And I've worked with a lot of different consultants and experts who've helped their own clients with emails over the years. And one of the biggest challenges that they often say they face is, well, most people don't need your help, Adrian, because I just can't get them to send any freaking emails in the first place. So as long as people are sending emails, that's, not sending emails is the biggest mistake, I guess. That's the starting point. It is so easy to overthink this stuff. And worry that you're going to do it wrong, or that you're going to get people unsubscribing, or people won't want to hear from you. But the important thing to remember is that as long as you've got something important to share, and you've got the right people that are subscribed to your email list, then by not mailing them, you're letting them down. Once we move beyond that, then yes, there's some specific things that you need to think about. Because if we go back and answer the the, the, the question or the or the statement you started with, Ian what we're saying is that on a typical email list between 30 and 50% of your subscribers could be silently killing your sales so if we if we look at that for a moment i'm going to start with a little bit of a trick question so if i was to ask you ian your email list is an asset true or false what would your answer be i'd say i would say an asset yeah okay perfect now, in the, in the UK, there's, a, there, there's a, a TV quiz show called QI, hosted by Stephen Fry. And when people make a wrong answer, a great big siren goes off. Um, and this is one of these trick questions that I've just put in, just like QI, because yes, it could be an asset, but quite often people's email lists are more of a liability than they are an asset because of these subscribers that are silently killing sales. So let's dig into that and, and explain Why that is for a minute. So the world of email, as I mentioned, has changed massively over the years, and we've reached the point now where there's three giant behemoths that dominate the world of email. We've got Google, um, and typically more than fifty percent of anyone's email list will either be using Gmail or Google Workspace, which is the business version of Gmail. Then we've got Yahoo, and we've got Microsoft, Um, and between those three then typically between three quarters and 90% of an email list will be managed by either people using um, Gmail or Yahoo or Outlook or Hotmail or anything like that. Now, if, if those people are the majority of our subscribers, then that means that whatever rules that Google, Microsoft, and Yahoo have put in place, we have to follow. And it gets worse because the thing you have to remember is that most people using Gmail or Hotmail or Outlook or Yahoo or whatever they don't pay a penny for their email. So if the service is free, that means that we as users become the product. And it means that Google, you know, Google pioneered this um, and everyone else has jumped on the bandwagon. When you use a free email platform, they are making money from displaying adverts to you that you may click on. And the thing you have to remember is that they will only display adverts when an email gets opened. So if you, Ian, as a marketer, are sending out thousands and thousands of emails and very few people are opening them, Google aren't going to like you very much. Um, Whereas if you send out emails that have a really high open rate, you can see that the majority of people you're mailing have opened your emails. Google are more likely to love you. And the more they like you, the more likely they are to keep displaying your emails to your audience, because if they don't like you because you're not helping them make money, why would they bother showing your emails to people? So we have to understand that you know, these are the rules of the game. And what all of these big three mailbox providers do, and they they hide them away in their bulk email guidelines and things like that, is they will say, thou shalt remove thy inactive subscribers. So they actually publish this somewhere, but the guidelines are so difficult to find, particularly you know, the Microsoft ones, you, you need a PhD in research to, to find the things. Um but what that means is that every time you're sending an email to someone on your mailing list who hasn't opened anything for a long time, you are actually hurting the reputation that Google and Microsoft and Yahoo are monitoring. Um, and the more time as you mail these people, the more you're hurting yourself. This is why I call these, these, these people that haven't opened for a while, I call them the liabilities. So the people that have opened your emails recently, they're the assets, everyone else are the liabilities. And the majority of people if they're not aware of this, then as much as half of, the e- of their email list could be people that haven't opened anything for weeks, months, years. And in most cases, maybe 10% of an email list consists of people that have never, ever, ever opened a single email. Um, so our mission, should we choose to accept it, is to shift the way we think about email and no longer send emails like it's 2012, because in the good old days, and I'm sure you'll remember this, Ian, you could actually just you know, basically build the biggest email list you could because it was all about quantity, not quality. Back then, size really mattered. Um, and then you would pretty much email the, the hell out of your list until they either buy, they die, or they unsubscribe. And if you do that in 2022, then unfortunately, Google and co are going to very much take a dim view of this. And the more, the more you keep spamming your contacts that haven't opened anything, the more likely you are to be thrown into Google jail And the worst example of this I've ever seen was a client where their open rate with Google was 0.2%. And they were basically out of the email business because they had done so many crazy things for so long. And just to, to put people's minds at rest, that's a very extreme example. And these people hadn't just kept mailing people that weren't opening. They were doing all kinds of other crazy things as well. But this is you need to bear in mind that when it comes to email, yes, it's not quite so cut and dry as social media, where you can get thrown off the platform. But if Google decides they don't like you, then they can throw you in Google jail and it can take a long time and a lot of hard work to get yourself back out of it. So really, really important to understand that don't just see your email list as, a, as, a, as an asset, understand there are liabilities on there and we've got to work out how we can work out who they are, how we can remove. But but people have a lot of objections about that and I'm sure you, you've had many yourself And when you started thinking, well, hang on, I've got to stop mating these people.
0: Yeah, it's, (laughs) it's, well, I'm going to be like, totally honest. I, I got up to like 22,000 people on my list. I was probably getting into the whole (sighs) embracing the vanity statistics thing, you know, because that sounds great. You know, oh, look at me. I've got, you know, not, not I was doing that, but it just felt, it felt good. But the problem was a lot of those people were not opening my emails and I was emailing them. And I didn't realize at the time that I was hurting my, my list. I then did a bit of research and then I decided to get rid of a lot of the inactive subscribers. And I I've kept on doing that. And now I'm probably, I think I'm under 5,000 subscribers. So it seems like I'm going backwards, but I, I assume you would disagree with that. Um, uh, the, so, so a lot of what you were a lot of what you were saying there was is kind of quite um, depressing in a way. But there is there is hope, isn't there? So, what tell yeah. us a little bit more about the hope? If our if we uh, if our open rate, assuming that we are emailing, and we'll come back to that. If you are struggling with uh, knowing what to to do in terms of emailing, we'll come back to that in a bit. But I want to talk about deliverability first, and you know what what's the hope.
1: So, so the, the most important thing, and, and it, I, I've got to acknowledge that everyone feels the same as you, in that, you know, you have spent, you know, the last 10 years, that's a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears building that email list. So, and to some people, it almost feels like their baby instead it's their audience. And then someone like me comes along and says, well, actually, you've got to throw maybe half of this audience away or, or even more than that. You know, you said maybe down from 22,000 down to 5,000. That feels like a real, you know, just having to let go of so much. But the thing you've got to bear in mind is that we're only looking at getting rid of the people that haven't opened anything for quite a long time. And this is why I often wheel out Einstein's definition of insanity, which is doing the same thing and expecting different results. Because let's face it, if you're sending emails to someone and they haven't opened anything for the last six months or they haven't opened anything ever, then the chances of the next email you send being opened by them is very, very low indeed. And we've done a lot of testing with this. And once you get beyond about 50 or 60 days where someone hasn't opened one of your emails, then it's about the chances, maybe one in a thousand, that they're going to open the next email that you send. And what you've got to understand is that the more you send emails to these unengaged people, it's what I call the vicious circle. The lower your open rates and the fewer people that that are actually responding to your emails, the worse your reputation is going to get. And as your reputation keeps getting worse and worse, then it becomes less likely that the future emails you send are going to land in the inbox because Google and co won't like you. But the good news is if we turn this on its head and talk about what I call the virtuous circle, then we can, we can make a much more positive impact. Because if we're only sending the emails to people that have opened recently, then they are the ones that are most likely to open the next email you send and the one after that. So that means that your open rate is going to become much higher. Now, we're actually doing a bit of a kind of you know, mathematical cooking the books here, for want of a better word, because we're not actually going to get any, the number of people are going, sorry, the number of people opening the email isn't going to increase that much. But the percentage will go up massively because supposing you had 20,000 people on your email list and I don't know, let's say, let's say that 4,000 people opening your emails then that would be a 20% open rate. Now, if we remove all these people that haven't opened for a long time and you only send to the 5,000 people, and I've got that wrong, have I? Um, trying to work this out. Yeah, with my maths, Ian, because I'm just going mad here. If it's 20,000 people and only 40, or only 4,000 have opened, then that is 20%, isn't it?
0: That sounds about right.
1: I mean, my yeah. maths is not okay. great, but that sounds yeah. roughly right, yeah. Okay.
0: Any, anyone watching live... Help us, please. We, it, the heat is getting to us both, I think. <laughs> yeah,
1: definitely. So then let's say, let's, let's keep the numbers simple. Let's supposing that we change it so we're only going to send to 8,000 people because we're going to remove 12,000 people that haven't opened anything recently. Now, the maths are a bit easier now. We're sending it to 8,000 people, 4,000 people open. What does that make, Ian? 50%. There we go. So, you know, in, in, in seconds, we have transformed your open rate from 20% to 50%. Now, the number of people hasn't changed, so there's no great magic solution at this point. There's no silver bullet, but I'll explain why this makes a, dif- a difference in the long term in a second. But what that means now is that our open rate is 50%, and Google is looking at us and saying, oh, Ian's sending some really cool content out now because more, you know, the, the proportion of people opening his emails is higher. And the more that you keep doing that, Ian, then the more your reputation with Google and all the others is going to improve, and this is where the virtuous circle comes in. Because as your reputation improves, then the emails that you send will be more likely to be delivered to the people on your list. And as new people join your list, and this is where the real magic happens, they are much more likely to see those emails that you're sending out in the first place. Because the scary, scary statistic I'm going to share now, um, and if you're doing any kind of paid for advertising, like Facebook marketing, video, uh, YouTube adverts, things like that, if you're paying, for every person who clicks on a link somewhere and goes to your landing page and signs up for your email list, then the scary statistic is between 45 and 50% of the people that join your list might never see your emails if if you're not managing your engagement the way I've just described. And that means that if you're spending $5,000 a month on Facebook ads or YouTube ads or something like that, you could be wasting half of that money with people that signed to your email list and they never see your emails. But the good news is, if you really work on your email reputation and only send the emails to the engaged people, the assets on your list, then your reputation improves and it becomes much more likely that new subscribers will see the emails that you send them to the point where you can get, you know, we're never going to get, we're never going to hit hundred percent, but you can get as much as 90% of your new subscribers seeing your emails, which means that you're effectively going to double the return on your on your Facebook ads investment or YouTube ads or whatever it is you're doing. And as time goes on, your email list will grow and the engagement will grow, and you might get back up to 10,000 or 20,000 people, by which point you could have as many as 80 to 90% of those people regularly engaging with you. So the long term payback of this is amazing. I've worked with um, some very large email marketers, and the the best results I saw were in a five month period. They cut their list back. It's a bit like gardening you prune something and then it grows again. And they they pruned their list back. It went from about 180,000 down to about 120,000. And then they did some very aggressive lead generation over the next five months. Their list grew to 200,000. But by that point, they were getting an 80 plus percent engagement where before they were getting a 60% engagement. So the the value of all the contacts on their list increased by more than 33%. And these people had a very big list where it's actually quite difficult to get good results. The smaller your list the better the results you're likely to get by doing what I'm talking about. Because the, the bigger a sender you are, obviously the more scrutiny you're under with Google and Microsoft and, and so on. So the, the long, well, I say long-term, it will take between one and three months for you to start to see the benefits of what I'm calling engagement management by working out who the liabilities are on your list, stopping mailing them, working out who the assets are, keep mailing them, ideally mail them more frequently. It can make such a huge difference. That's
0: that's great. So, what do we actually need to do to find out who these the liabilities are? Who, who are the these email subscribers that we need to? Well, sh- so who who are they, and should we just kick them off, or should we reengage them?
1: You know, what what are some of the strategies here? So, lots of things you can do, and a lot of it does depend on how long it is since they did engage with you. Now, the good news is most email marketing platforms will give you some way of understanding how recently it is that a contact opened something so you can look at all your subscribers and say i want to see all the people that have never opened anything or all the people that haven't opened anything for 90 days or longer and the 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 typical threshold that i recommend is about 90 days um if if someone on your list hasn't opened anything for longer than that the chances are they never will and the more that the more tightly you can rein in your contacts so that you're only mail to the people that have opened most recently, the better. So what I typically say is that your best assets are the people that have opened something within the last 30 days. So you need to search for all of those people on your email platform and either tag them or add them to an audience or whatever it is that you do on that platform to say, these are my best assets. And those people you should mail as frequently as possible. Even every single day is okay. And we can talk about more about that later on. Then you can search for the people that maybe opened something between 30 and 90 days ago, and they are still assets, but they're not as strong. They are much less likely to open something, but occasionally they do still come back. So you should mail them. If you're sending an email, let's say two emails a week, as an example, um, to your best assets, then you might maybe send one email every two weeks to the not so good assets that the people that opened between 30 and 90 days ago. And then if you search the people that have opened something more than 90 days ago, they are the liabilities. And ideally, we want to let them go and ideally not mail them at all. Because if you just take all of those people, all of the liabilities and send an email to those people, if you get an open rate of more than one or two percent, you're actually doing very well because they you, you basically lost them already. But the good news is a few of those people you can start to re-engage because if it's just over 90 days, it may be that... Not all your emails are going to spam yet or something like that. It could just be that they've lost interest. And it may be you can send them, you know, sometimes I call it a re-engagement email or a wake-up email or a tickle, something like that. You're trying to get an email in front of the people that haven't opened anything for a while to try and persuade them to wake back up. And as long as the email is landing in the inbox, they might see it and they might respond. So what I tend to do is say that if they've gone beyond 90 days, really, we've lost them. We can maybe find a few people that have just gone over the 90 days and try and re-engage them. But then we want to focus most of our efforts on keeping in touch with the most engaged assets that have opened something up to 30 days ago. Occasionally, the people that open between 30 and 90. But what you can then put in place with some platforms that allow you to do this automatically is you can say that when they reach 30 days of not opening anything from me, Maybe that's the point where we'll automatically send them some kind of re-engagement email to say, are you still there? I've got something really special for you. And then maybe when they get to day 90, which is pretty much beyond the point of no return, then we're going to send them a few more kind of last chance emails saying, hey, are you still here? And then the final email you'll send them was, if you don't click this button in this email, I am going to unsubscribe you from my list. And that is something that we need to do when we get to not long after 90 days. Because that's how we look after the health of our mailing list is how we make sure that we're only keeping our assets on there as much as possible. So there's definitely things that you can do around that. But the most important thing is just to go to your email platform and say, show me all the people that have opened in the last 30 days. And those are the people that we send the most emails to. And then we find all the people that mailed between 30 and 90 days ago. And we occasionally mail those people. I love, I love
0: the name Tickle Campaign. I've not heard that before. <laughs> That's great. Um, so with um, some email newsletter providers, let's call it that, you know, we've got MailChimp, ConvertKit, ActiveCampaign, Keep, all those different ones. Are there, are there some platforms, uh, which plat- Which platforms can help us with this? You know, because I started off with MailChimp, uh, then I moved over to ActiveCampaign. I know some people who were using Drip or ConvertKit. And a concern that I hear a lot, and and this is a concern that I have, is what if the software gets it wrong? Because sometimes, like I, so I I've just built a re-engagement campaign, and I got a couple of emails from people saying, "Well, I've been opening your emails," uh, and I, yep. and this was in response to a, an email that I sent out, which was, "I'm going to unsubscribe you because you haven't been opening your emails," and then I said, "Hey, wait, I've been I've been opening your emails," and they've e- they're either lying or there's some kind of technical problem here. So. Uh, could you uh, explain a little bit more on that?
1: Yes. Now, this, this is one of the most difficult things to handle in the world of email because it is very difficult to be certain whether or not someone is opening our emails. Um, you know, The way that email opens our tracks is very unreliable at the best of times. And then Apple, bless them, made it even more difficult last year when they launched iOS 15 because they brought something called mail privacy protection in, which means they actually basically hiding the fact of whether someone's opened or not. And the good news is that there are still ways around all this, but we have to we have to understand that we can't be 100% certain whether or not someone has opened our email or not. So we, we can't just look at that. We also have to look at things like whether they've clicked a link in the email. Because the good news is that while open tracking isn't necessarily that accurate, click tracking is a lot more accurate. So what I tend to recommend is that, we still need to look at whether someone has opened an email, because even, even if I send out an email to a 1,000 people and all 1,000 people open it, only about a quarter of those people will click on something in the course of 30 days. And I'm sure no one wants to throw the baby out with the bathwater and let go of three quarters of their email list they don't need to let go of. So what we need to do is focus still on mailing the people that we know have opened, And then, if it gets to the point where we are going to send some kind of re-engaged mail out, we do need to word it carefully because we it can't be absolute. So what we can say is things like, "We're not sure if you've been receiving my emails or not, but I just need you to confirm that you're still there and click this link." So you can still be fairly strong and say, "If you don't click, I'm going to unsubscribe you," because we know that the click is okay. But you can word it in such a way that you'll get fewer people replying saying, "Well, I I have been reading your emails," because we don't know hundred percent. But as long as you're very clear to say that. I just I just need you to confirm that you are getting them by clicking this button. Then that's the the kind of easiest way of automating the process without you having to deal with lots of irate people saying, Well, you're wrong. I have been reading your emails. But it is difficult because we can't be a hundred percent sure. And some platforms overestimate it. So um so I think, you know, so MailChimp, I think, and and Keep, they will report an Apple user as having opened an email even if they haven't. Active Campaign goes the other way and they don't report an Apple user as having opened an email, even if they might have done. So we have to look at both possibilities and say, well, if they have opened or if it looks like they've opened, then we'll see that as a good thing. If they haven't opened, then it may be a good thing. It may, be, it may be a bad thing. It may not. But we're just going to ask them to click just in case because we don't want to lose anyone by mistake. Does that make enough sense?
0: Yeah, it does make sense. So you have to set up some kind of automation here that will, uh, and hopefully the email software that you're using will be able to tell that and you can tag them and then send to the right people. And then if they, they haven't opened for the last, say, 30 days or 90 days, you can then send them an automated email. I and mean, that's the kind of the idea. I mean, this might be, this is maybe another kind of uh, concern that I have with those types of people where it gets it wrong and, and they get the email that says, we're going to unsubscribe you. And they say, well, hold on a minute. I have been opening your emails. They click the button and they go back. But then what happens 30 days, 90 days, again, when they've gone, they've gone into the red again, and just email software thinks they they haven't opened the emails and they get the same email. Uh, There must be kind of some smart way. I mean, presumably with those types of people, you tag them differently. Is that something you've kind of encountered before?
1: There is that risk that you're going to upset people if they get exactly the same email three months later or a year later or whatever. Um, But the The recommendation that I make to guard against that the most is just make it as easy as possible and give people as many reasons as possible to click something in every single email that you send out. Because that way, then the majority of people will still click something. Um, And at the same time, I do know some people where, because it kind of stands to reason, if someone hasn't clicked a link on your email in 90 days, even if they're reading them, it means they can't buy something from you if they're not clicking. So some people are quite aggressive with their engagement management, and they will remove people if they get three months of not having clicked anything um, because people who are on your list but not clicking aren't necessarily worth anything because from a, from a I, I guess it stands of reason that the only way you're going to sell something from most emails, unless it's something really expensive and you say pick up the phone, in most cases it will be something like you put a button on the email and they click the button to actually go through to an order form or something like that. So we need, to t- we need to train people to click. So get as many people as possible to click the links. And then, you know, at the end of the day, you can be very honest. You can say, the only reason I'm sending you this is because you haven't clicked anything for three months. Um, and you know, if they're not going to demonstrate their engagement sufficiently, then you can be as hard line or not with them as feels right for you. There's no right and wrong with this. And to be honest, if someone gets upset because they get the same re-engagement from you every three months, they unsubscribe they probably weren't going to buy anything from you anyway. And that's something that I do make it, you know, I, I get quite passionate about is, is by saying to people, don't be afraid to upset people on your mailing list because ideally you want them to either love you or dislike you so much they're going to unsubscribe. And that's why sending emails very frequently is good because if they love your content, they will keep consuming it and they will love, you know, our our role using email, it's a bit like video. We've got to educate, we've got to entertain, we've got to inform, um, we want to inspire people. Um, and if they don't like the content you're sending out then it's much easier if they unsubscribe so try and get people to you know be be a little bit edgy and you can be you can absolutely say if you don't if, if you don't click the link then here's the door kind of thing you know i i'm no longer scared of losing people on my list the way that i was in the past
0: yeah it's it's, it's a difficult one i i i think i had to go through some kind of mindset journey here because I, I i when people like unsubscribed i would take it personally it was it sounds ridiculous now but we we have to what you say is so true that we have to we want to attract the people who love us and repel the people that really don't like us and and probably the worst type of person is the people who don't really kind of care either way you know exactly. you want them to love you so i, I think that's great so uh, as well as all of that the, there are other kind of maybe more techy and geeky things that we need to that talk about from a deliverability point of view, um, which we don't want to scare people, but these are, these are kind of just fairly, well, I, I'm not going to say simple, but they're not as scary as they sound. But uh, just tell us a little bit more about uh, other things that we need to think about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because I think you know, this, this is the most important thing if there's only two real kind of headline takeaways that I want people to get from, from what we're talking about today. The first thing is about everything we've talked about so far, which is about managing your engagement. And then the second one, which is easier to handle in some ways because it's something you only do once, um, but it is a bit more techie, is what's known as authenticating your emails. Now, one of the big challenges that we face is that as much as 85% of the emails that get sent out every single day are considered spam. So Google, Microsoft, like and Yahoo, they have to spend a lot of time, they've invested millions in trying to identify what is spam and what isn't. Now, one of the things that we can do as legitimate email senders that the spammers can't do is we can authenticate our emails. We can actually digitally sign them to say that the, that this legitimately came from me, it didn't come from a spammer. And that's where authentication comes in. We're able to actually tell the world that the emails that we're sending and the email platforms that we're using are legitimate and we trust them. And the good news is this is something that you only have to set up once when you first get going with your email platform. And then unless you change from, I don't know, you change from MailChimp to ActiveCampaign or ActiveCampaign to Keep or something like that, you don't need to change this ever because once it's set up, you just set it up and it's just there for good. Um, So there's two different forms of authentication you need to set up. And I won't go right into the techie detail. I'll just mention them. And then, you know, you can either go and do some Googling or you can get someone to do it for you. Um, but the first authentication method is called DKIM, which stands for Domain Keys Identified Mail. And what that does is that puts a digital signature onto every single email that you sent. And you have to go to your email platform, whether it's campaign, MailChimp or whatever. And there'll be an option somewhere for setting up email authentication. Now, if you're using ActiveCampaign, do not select the option that says we will manage your authentication for you, because that's a bit of a lie. They don't. They they, they just manage it for themselves. You need to select the option that says I will manage my own authentication. And then they'll normally ask you what email domain you're sending from. And then they'll give you a whole string of hieroglyphics that you need to publish on your domain record, which is normally your your domain hosting. It might be something like GoDaddy or one-on-one or something like that. So you have to be you have to understand how it works enough to log on to your domain provider and change some settings. And that's the bit where you might need to get some help. Um, but once you've done it, then that's it is, you know, you only have to do it the once for the email platform you're using. And it, just doing that one thing is enough to make a huge difference. And then the second form of authentication that matters nearly as much is known as SPF and it's nothing to do with getting sunburnt. It stands for sender policy framework. And what that does is it's very similar. We, we, we publish that on our domain records, and that tells the world which email platforms we trust. So we don't have to log on to the email platform to do this. We just need to do a bit of research and a bit of Googling to work out what SPF record we have to publish if we're using ActiveCampaign or MailChimp or whatever. And the only pitfall with an SPF record is you can only have one of them. If you have two of them, then everything stops working. And sometimes your emails might not get through. So with SPF, you do need to be careful. And if you're not sure, then please get an expert to help you with this because you can actually get it wrong and it can negatively impact your emails getting through. But if you get it right, then for Microsoft in particular, it can make more of a difference and make it easier for the emails to get through. But as I said, with both of those, with DKIM and with SPF, it's a one-off thing that you do. So you don't need to learn to be an expert yourself with this. If you'd rather then you can just hire an expert to do it and you know, they they'll get it sorted for you in an hour or two. And and that's that, but it is really important to do this because it's the one thing that sets you apart from the spammers. So I can't stretch that enough.
0: Yeah. Thanks for that, Adrian. I think that's really important stuff, but it's not, uh, it doesn't have to be scary. You can get help with this. And, uh, there's, there are loads of support on, on Google and other places as well. Uh, so, this is a question I hear a lot is which email provider is is like best for deliverability and I you, I you may may hate this question I don't know but like some people are on Mailchimp, uh drip, convertkit does it really matter are are they all pretty much the same is it really down to more to do with all the stuff that we've been talking about so far um or can that play a part
1: okay so the analogy that I use the most here is if if we're going to a gym um and let's, let's suppose you're going to the budget gym down the road that costs $10 a month to be a member of, and you're doing all these different exercises and workouts and things like that. And then you decide that you're going to go to a different gym that maybe costs $100 a month. Um, and then you do exactly the same exercises. Are you likely to get any fitter? <laughs> no. No, absolutely. And in general, the email platforms are very similar to that. It's the way you use them. Rather than the tool itself, because an an email platform is still just a tool, Um, and you know whether it's Mailchimp, ActiveCampaign, HubSpot, Drip, ConvertKit, Keep—you name it—they are all they all specialize in doing one thing and doing it well, and that is getting emails delivered. And it's going to be ninety-nine point something percent of emails that get through, whichever platform you look at. And occasionally, they all have a bad email day. None of them are exempt from this. In the past couple of years, I have seen all of the different major email platforms have some kind of problem getting emails through somewhere, but they always recover. I mean, Murphy's Law says that it often happens in the middle of a big launch or something like that, which which just can't be helped. But the majority of the times, all the email platforms are really good at getting all the emails through. And the reason that you tend to see the problems are because of your domain reputation, not the reputation of the platform that you're using. So by all means, if you can find a platform that makes it easier to manage your engagement, then I would recommend that. But don't switch platforms just because you think you're going to get more emails through. Because actually, when you switch from one platform to another, Google and co. get very suspicious because they hate change. If you change anything, you're more likely to get emails landing in the spam for a bit while they work out that the world has shifted and you're using a different platform. So only switch platforms if you're going to get better functionality for some other reason, like the automations might be better, or it lets you manage your engagement better or something like that. Don't switch from one to another just because you think more emails will get through because it's very rare that you'll see that. That's
0: really helpful stuff. So I want to just briefly talk about the types of emails that we send out. And then I want to come back to, you have a tool that helps us, and I've been very excited to, I, I've I've had access to your tool for for ages, but I've only really recently started to kind of get my teeth into it and it's very exciting. So we will come back to that, but just very briefly, uh, when it comes to the kind of emails that we should be sending out, and obviously this will depend very much on your business, on the products that you have, but, uh, a lot of people will send like a, a weekly newsletter out. Um, and so for example, with me, I will, so I've got some opt-ins that people will, will uh, so I've got a confidence guide, for example, People will get the confidence guide. And then I've got, I think I send seven emails out over a week to help people with the confidence getting in front of the camera. And then people get my weekly newsletter. Is the, is the weekly newsletter a good strategy or are there kind of other things that we should be doing when it comes to the kind of
1: content that we uh, email out? I think this goes back to what I said earlier, because there's, there's no such thing as bad content at all. I think the, the challenge that I will lay down is how many different ways can you engage with your audience? Um, you know, how many different ways can you educate them? What can you share? Can you share more content with them? Can you break it up into shorter bite-sized chunks? Some, you know, if, if we go back a few years, then a, a monthly newsletter was the thing, and it would be maybe a, you know, several screenfuls of stuff. People would read it. Um, but the way that things have evolved now is obviously, you know, and social media has driven this a lot anyway, is that people's attention spans are getting shorter and shorter. So the, the more bite sized chunks you can break your content up into, the better. Um, the, the data that I've got from the last couple of years of kind of observing what various clients are doing, then the minimum you can get away with emailing now is once a week. If you're mailing less frequently than weekly, then the chances are that your reputation is going to drop because people are just less likely to engage and and Google and co are less likely to put your content into the inbox if you're not mailing that frequently. Um, And when people get scared at this, then I'll I'll put them on the spot and say, can you really not think of 50 things to write in one year um, about your business? Because if you can't think of 50 things, then you're you're probably in trouble. Um, If you can send more frequently than that, then you know so much the better i know there's people out there that will teach you how to send an email every single day which is something i've tested myself and and it works amazingly um but it doesn't you know you you can just share stories this is the beauty is most of the people that be watching this um aren't going to be big businesses like you know like my pepsi and coke and nike and people like that um and if it's a smaller business people buy from people we are our own brands so, a lot of the emails that I send out have a bit of story element to them, so I'll talk about something that I've been doing or something I've learned or something that happened so you can you can share stories, you can share little hints and tips you can share you know specific bits of teaching um you can you know and obviously from time to time, you must share offers with people, give them the chance to pay you some money to help them even further so you can mix all of that up and You know, I will be honest and say that I'm not as consistent yet with sending emails as I should be. I actually went four months earlier in the year without sending a single email, which was really bad. Um, But the good news was that I got back into the habit again Um, and I'm seeing better results. People reply to my emails. So it's just really about how can you send any kind of content out that people are going to enjoy and ideally they're going to engage with you and respond to it. And there's just so many different ways you can do that.
0: Really helpful stuff, uh, but the, the fact is you need to start sending emails, so like, don't don't overthink it. I think I tend to overthink things. Just start sending email out. So let's talk about uh, your tool. So you, it's so email, email smart, and so let me just get this on uh, the website. So email smart uh, deliverability dashboard. Just tell us a little bit more about it, and I, I can put on, uh, I'm, I'm happy to put my uh, account on the screen, and, and you can see how awful my score is at the moment, but... And, I'm going to come back maybe in a month or two's time and you'll see yeah, it improve. Def- that, that's the idea anyway.
1: Yeah. So the, the, the big thing I realized a few years ago was that there, was, there wasn't an easy way of understanding how many assets and liabilities people had on their email list. So the software that I've created, and this is where being a geek for the last 40 years is good because I, I've written a lot of software in that time. Um, and one of the tools that I created that kind of grew lakes and became what's now the Email Smart Score is, is something that can just look at all the emails that you've sent in, say, the last 30 days. That's the usual window that we look at. And we'll say, let's look at all the people that you sent something to and just tell you very simply, very clearly, how many of those people are assets, how many of those people are liabilities, and then for the new people that you've added to your list, how effective have you been at reaching those people? And just those two different metrics are enough to tell you how much of an impact you can make by improving your engagement management the way we've talked about. I think this is a perfect segue into sharing your score, in because, yes, it is a low score right now, but the beauty of having a low score, it means that you've got massive room for improvement <clears throat> because what we're seeing here, and it's kind of presented a bit like a credit score where 999 is the best you can have. Um, in your case, 443, yes, it's, it's worryingly low, but then if you look at the audience breakdown on the right-hand side, we're seeing that the red and the pink accounts for more than half of your email list at the moment. So what we're saying here, is in the last 30 days, more than half of the people that you've been mailing have been liabilities. And the simple advice is stop mailing them. And as mm. long as you do that and only mail the sort of more green colored, then we are tweaking the colors so it doesn't look quite so horrible. Um, but the more you focus on just mailing those assets, the more of an impact it's actually going to make. And you know, your open rates will literally double overnight if you stop mailing the liabilities. And then a month or three months down the line, then you'll find that things are looking really healthy. Um, you know The new lead hit rate, that's then telling you how good you are at actually getting through to the new people on your list. Now, you haven't added a huge number of people on the list in the last month. So it's only, you know, so what was it 12? I think it was there. Um, so you've done quite well getting through to those people. The more new people that you add, then the less likely it is you get through to them while you've got a low smart score. But if you come back and check this again a month from now, and then you suddenly started spending $1,000 on Facebook ads, then I would feel much more confident in telling you to do that. If you came to me right now and said, shall I spend lots of money on lead gen? I'd say, no, don't spend any money on Facebook ads until you've got your smart score up. Because a lot of people, their new lead hit rate will be down at, say, 45 50%. And as you can see there, we've got a calculator that says, assuming you're spending $5 per lead, you could be wasting, sometimes it comes up as thousands and thousands of dollars. So it's always fix a smart score first, which is just by stopping mailing the liabilities and then we can work on getting that new need hit rate up. So if there's any other problems, there's always more that you can look at. But the beauty of the SMART score is it's a very simple thing to understand. And there's a very simple action you take, which is always the same. Stop mailing your liabilities and that's it.
0: That's awesome. So so the so this gives you the, the smart score, but it also you've got the service that helps you uh, tag um, yep. the the, the email subscribers, and that, that's very useful. So I, 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 before that, I was using Active ActiveCampaign's uh, tagging service or well, automation, whatever you want to call yeah. it. Um, but I, what I really like about the service that you've got here is, um, yes, you have to pay for, for this, but it seems to be a lot more um, helpful, and, and I, I feel I can trust it a little bit more. Can you tell us a little bit more about how the tagging system works?
1: Yeah, so, so this is the Smart Defender software. And what that does, it will, it will look at the engagement and we've got some very simple tags. We either tag them as green or amber or red or bad. And the idea being that the green people are your best assets and they're the ones that you you should mail most frequently. The amber people are the ones that are still assets but have opened for a while. You need to mail them occasionally. And as soon as it turns red, then you've got a last chance to put them through into a re-engagement campaign and it's not you should unsubscribe them. And if they're red or they're bad, then you just shouldn't be mailing them at all. So it's nice and simple. And those tags get updated once every 24 hours. So whenever you're sending out an email campaign to your audience, you can be very you can relax knowing that you're sending it to the right people at the right time. And what we're doing as time goes on as well is we're making this a little bit more sophisticated. So we're going to look more at things like whether they're using Apple or not, whether they're clicking or not, so that we can try and help you stay one step ahead of the engagement game. And make sure that you're always only mailing the assets that we've identified in the best possible way. That's awesome. Well, I've just re- we've run out of time. There was so much I
0: knew there was going to be so much we could talk about in, in today's show. Thank you so much, Adrian. Uh, you can find out more at emailsmart.com, which is uh, the, the website here. So if you go to emailsmart.com, you can sign up for free. It's awesome. I highly recommend that. And Adrian, how, what's the best How's the best? place uh to to connect with you but where do you tend to well, hang
1: out I, I hang out on facebook quite a lot so facebook.com adrian.savage or just email me at adrian at com. either way you can get in touch and if i can't help myself always happy to put you in touch or point me in the right direction um because i just want to make sure as many people as possible can manage their assets and their liabilities so they'll make more sales
0: thanks adrian it's been awesome to have you on the show, I, and. You've just helped us understand it. It's been kind of so, so, making something that's actually quite complicated a little bit easier to understand. So thank you, Adrian. It's been great thank to have you. Have you so you much on the show. for inviting me on. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for watching, for listening, for plugging us into your ears. But until next time, I encourage you to level up your impact, authority, and profits to the power of confident live video. See you soon. Bye.